You're listening to the Island Church Podcast. If you'd like more information or to donate to this ministry, visit islandchurch.tv. What a decade. We're not just talking about a new year. We're talking about a new decade. 2020. Man, I can remember where I thought, if I live till 2020, it's going to be a miracle. And it happened. And I got a lot of living yet to do. How about that? Used to think this was just uh, some kind of a far off date. And here we, here we are. And, and it seems like intelligence and knowledge is accelerating at such a rapid speed. So much has happened over the last 10 years. And we're looking at what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Think about this. The first iPad came out in the past 10 years. The ice bucket challenge became popular in the last 10 years. The world went crazy over Pokemon. Did I say that right? Something like that. I didn't go crazy, but the world went crazy. I read it. I read it on the internet, so it's true. All right. We experienced a total solar eclipse. There were two Royal weddings, Um, same-sex marriage became legal in the last 10 years. And just because something's legal doesn't mean it's right or moral, I might add. But who would ever thought that some of these things might have happened? The Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, happened in the last 10 years. We started with President Obama. We're ending with President Trump. There's so much happening in a 10-year period. Avengers Endgame became the worldwide highest grossing movie in theaters of all time with $2,797,000,000. Staggering to to think about that. But what about this? More people... In the last 10 years, more people die from taking selfies than from shark attacks. It's dangerous, so be careful taking selfies. You've seen them. I've no doubt you've seen the videos. People falling off cliffs, taking selfies, just keep backing up. And it's a dangerous proposition. I think most people in this room, especially if you're from this area, but no matter where you're from, it was something that caught the whole world's attention. And on April the 20th, 2010, Deepwater Horizon oil rig blew up, killing 11 on the Gulf Coast here, devastating this entire Gulf Coast region. And so the, uh, the decade began in rather a, a, a dire situation I think of of Christian Life Church. Now we refer to it as the Island Church. And I think, what a decade. What a decade that we have have gone through. Uh, This this church started decade, 2010, with a pastoral moral failure, followed a year later by a staff suicide. During a couple of year period, a million four hundred thousand dollars in tithe and offerings walked out the front door with about five hundred people. Most of them 
never, never to return. We were in a spiritual, emotional, and financial crisis. We had a number of ministries that we were keeping afloat. We had started a church, Christian Life Church in Foley. We were still heavily involved in supporting. We had a school we were involved in supporting. We had a preschool that was sucking air at that time. We had a Hispanic ministry that we were supporting. We still do, but they're right at self-supporting and our Hispanic ministry, Casa de Luz, will have close to 100 people worshiping this morning with Pastor Raul, a part of the Island Church. Can you say praise the Lord for that? We owned a youth ranch, which was taken over out of default, and we were making full payments on that. Our missions giving had been cut drastically. Liz and I arrived about halfway in 2011 and soon found out that there were staff here who were waiting until Monday or Tuesday to deposit or to cash their payroll checks. We had to make sure that Sunday's offering was counted, deposited, and cleared before payroll could even be, could even be paid. It was, uh, it, was, it was a difficult season of time. This morning, I would tell you this, through the grind of about a half a decade and through the faithfulness of, of the elders that were at this church and the remnant of people that stayed at this church, there was a grind of prayer and faithfulness and just doing what we needed to do, and that was putting one foot in front of another, preaching Jesus, praying, worshiping him, that God began to turn things and it was at, a, at about a four and a half year mark that in the middle of a service, something happened that wasn't demonstrative, it wasn't emotional, but there was a shift that took place and all of a sudden this place began to grow and to thrive. And I will tell you today, we are a growing, thriving family church we are making a difference on this island and in this region. There are, there are over 1,500 people that call this church home and we have multitudes of people that walk through these doors every week and they come to give glory and honor to God and we've adopted this as our theme and as our mission, giving glory to God on this island. We're a worshiping church. We're a word church. If you don't like worshiping the word, chances are you're not gonna enjoy the island church because we place emphasis on giving glory to God. We gather together to hear his word preached. We give glory to God. We grow through messages and through small groups to give glory to God. We give to give glory to God, and we believe in taking the gospel around the world. We go to give glory to God. God has called us to give glory to him on this island. Amen. Though our finances have not completely returned to what they once were, our numbers are returning, and our finances are headed in a right direction. We're involved in missions locally and globally. Last year, giving over $100,000 
in missions. God is helping us to reach people throughout our community. There are people week in and week out. There was probably in the neighborhood of five, six, seven, maybe eight people that responded to say, I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life in the last service. It happens week in and week out in one of the services or one of the ministries that takes place. We've built a new children's theater upstairs. It's world-class where our kids can celebrate and worship God and we'll have 80 plus children in island kids on any given Sunday. We've remodeled the nursery. We've updated the West Building. We have billboards on every road leading onto this island. Not as many as Alexander Shinar, but someday <laughs> we will. We've rewired this sanctuary. We've got a new sound booth. We have new carpet. Can someone say amen and thank you, Lord, for that? We have a world-class lobby. We have the finest restrooms on this island. And if you have not gone in, you need to go in and visit. <laughs> a new coffee bar with brand new offices. That's all happened. This is all opened up with just even the last few months. The Lord continues to pour out blessing. In October, we started three Sunday morning services. It was a step of faith. I didn't know if anybody would come to the first service or the third service. They're both already full. Can someone say praise the Lord for that? Our attendance jumped about 100 people as soon as we started that third service. It's amazing the things that God is doing in this place. We are a comeback church. The devil took his shot, but God had a plan, and God has a plan, and the best is yet to come for the island church. You know, to get to where you want to go, you need to know where you've been and you need to know where you're at. It's not pleasant to think about where we've been, but it helps us to have an understanding. And I thank God for where we're at. I thank God for this moment. I thank God that he's brought people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I thank God that he is building his church and he's putting together people that have passion and purpose and cause, want to be a kingdom builder. This morning, I wanna share with you, I know it's rather trendy and rather cliche with what's happening, this being 2020, but I wanna to talk to us about 2020 vision. And not just vision, not just a clear vision, not just being able to see clearly for a year, I'm thinking in terms of this next decade. I know man plans in his heart, but it's all gotta be surrendered to God. I don't know what's gonna happen in these next 10 years, but my faith is in a God that wants to do exceeding, abundant, above all we can ask or think. And so I'm praying and I'm believing that the best is yet to come. That that's not a, a little catchphrase that we like to say, but that God 
God is going to allow his purpose and plan. That this is gonna be a season where we'll see bodies healed and delivered from cancer. Someone say amen. Where we'll see lives restored and set free from drugs and alcohol. Where we'll see marriages restored that were once thought of as it'll never be able to, to survive. That God is going to work in this place in healing, saving, restoring, and filling people with his Holy Spirit. Amen. So I see that in the larger picture. This is not really a New Year's message. It's a, if you will, a decade message. So let's, let's jump into this. I started wearing glasses in the fifth grade. Now these are reading glasses. They're not real glasses. They're real to me because it's a good thing I have them. And I have them everywhere. They're all over my house, all over my car, my golf bag. They are everywhere. And speaking of that, I know people talk a lot about vision boards right now. I did a vision board. I'm excited about it. Tried to get my whole family when they were all here that was like trying to herd cats, but I have a vision board and, and excited about what I, I'm looking for in these next 10 years. And then everybody has these, the word for the year, you know, what's your word for the year? Mine's not real spiritual. Mine's fairways and greens. I got two words, fairways and greens. And if I can do that, it's gonna be a good year, all right? I started wearing glasses when I was in the fifth grade. I hated it. I tell every little kid that I see that has glasses on, you look great. I love your glasses. Because I hated wearing glasses. I thought I was ugly. I thought I looked like a dork. I thought I looked like a, a nerd. I, I didn't want to wear them. When I'd play ball, I'd take them off. But it was hard putting them on, taking them off. When I, when I got into ninth grade, I was able to get contacts. Soft lenses, used to have to boil them. Had this little machine, I'd have to put them in and boil them to sterilize them every night. Then they came up with the ones you could leave in. And boy, did I ever leave them in. I'd leave them in for months at a time. Probably abused my eyes on that one. It's hard when you play ball, when you haul hay, dirt, dust. I lost more contacts, ripped more contacts, but I was grateful for them because I got to wear sunglasses. And when I had glasses, I couldn't wear sunglasses. And if you have glasses, you know what I'm talking about. When I turned 40, I did two things. I jumped out of an airplane at 13,000 feet and I got LASIK surgery. After LASIK surgery where you go in and it was still relatively newer at that time and they did a horrible thing because in the waiting room they had a camera on the guy in front of you that was getting it and they should have never shown me that because they put that little apparatus under your eyebrow and pinned that back. Doc says, don't worry, you can't blink, you're not gonna ruin this. And man, they uh, bring that laser down and it starts and you smell flesh burning, and they pull that lens over, and they shape that, your eye, and bring it into to the proper alignment, and then they pull that flap back over, 
give you a volume and send you home. Tell you to wear a pair of sunglasses all night. And then you're good to go. And I'll tell you what, I had awesome results. And I could see, and it was like, I can see this is awesome. I don't have to put contacts on or glasses in the morning. I can see the alarm clock in the middle of the night. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I think back before that, and even since, going to the eye doctor. The eye doctor used to tell me, say, read the second line from the bottom. Well, I didn't even know there was a second line from the bottom. All I saw, I think there's a big E right up there. Then they go through this whole thing where they shoot you in the eye with an air gun. And then there is an optometrist conspiracy. And it's this, which is better, one or two? One or two? Two or three? And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. Is this multiple choice? Is this life or death? What's gonna happen? So needless to say, I was thankful for laser surgery. Also, I did just go through this process uh, about three weeks ago, and my eye doctor usually sits over here on this side, and he'll probably be in the third, third service today, and he did the same thing, one or two. I had to laugh, one or two. This morning, I wanna talk about laser surgery. We're not gonna get through this. We're only gonna to get to the first couple of points. But I wanna talk about 2020 vision. LASIK surgery gave me 2020 vision. It, it, it wanes a little bit now, but I started off, that LASIK surgery, was a, it was a miracle process for me. Well, let's talk about LASIK surgery as far as spiritually. God, I wanna see. God, I want to fulfill. God, I want to accomplish what you have for me. Let me, let me have 2020 vision. Vision for this year and vision for these next 10. Philippians chapter three, verses 10 through 16, says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal, toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think in this way, and if, in, if, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to, uh, reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Quickly, let me share this. 2020 vision. This laser focus, it starts with simply a focus on Jesus. Can we say that together? Focus on, one more time, focus on Jesus. Philippians 3.10, we've heard this so many times. It says that I may know him. 
Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Not about him. America is full of people that know about him. Some attend church and some don't. They've learned about him from mom or dad or from grandma or grandpa. Somewhere along the, wa- along the way, things have got distorted and so many people's view of God and Christianity and knowing God, it's so far from what it was originally supposed to be. And we have this vague homespun theology about what God is all about. I'm not asking if you know what grandma or grandpa or mom or dad. I'm not asking if you just know it in your mind or you've read it in a book. I'm asking, do you know Jesus heart to heart? I don't want to get to heaven and look at him and say, you know what, I know about your miracles and I know about your provision and I know about your blessing. I don't want to get to heaven and just say, I know you because I know your face. I want to know God's heart. I want to know him heart to heart. That's what it is to know. That sense, that sense of intimacy. In America, it's amazing how we think we have understanding. We live such independent, selfish, self-pursuing lives and God just becomes a part of the big picture. He is a spoke in the wheel when in all reality he needs to be the hub of our life that I may know, have an intimate understanding that I may know his heart, know his heart, Feel what he feels. Think the way he thinks. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let me have the heart and mind of God. When I was in college, I was walking down the sidewalk one day, and along comes this good-looking blonde, and she looked up, and when she looked up, she saw me, and she goes, she kind of almost fell over backwards. She's not in this service. You can check with her in a couple weeks about that. As we walked by, I just turned and I walked like this and she got about 20 feet down and she turned around and took a double take. Now, I didn't take a double take. I was looking the whole time, all right? When she looked back, I knew I had her. No, don't tell her I said that. I asked my buddies, I said, who is that girl? Oh, she's got this boyfriend. She's from Kansas City. He drives a Camaro. I thought, big deal. Now I won't tell you what I really thought. But nevertheless, I found out all about her. I found out where her classes were. I found out she went to the library. I found out where the library was at. I wanted to do more than know about her. I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to go out on a date. I wanted to spend time with her. So many people just have an understanding of God, but do we want to be with God? Do we want to spend time with God? He says that I may know him. So elementary, so fundamental. You've heard this before, but let's walk through this. I want to know him personally. Then watch this. And the power of his resurrection. 
See, the Apostle Paul was a brilliant man. He was brilliant in the realm of philosophy and theology. He was respected, highly respected. But he had a completely distorted view of Scripture, though he knew it well, a distorted view of Scripture. He was actually persecuting the church. He was there when Stephen was stoned, the first martyr. And he says this, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know the power that will bust me out, the power that delivered me from a spirit of religion. Do you know the hardest people in all the world to reach are religious people? People who know God's word, but don't live God's word. People who have head knowledge, but don't have any heart connection or heart experience. That's why we say all the time, we don't want religion. God's not into religion. He's into what? Relationship. The Apostle Paul understood, I need to be, I need a Holy Spirit power. I need a resurrection power that will get me out of religion. Some of you today need to experience God to bust you out of a religious spirit, to peel the layers off so you can know God intimately. It's huge. It's what separates us from a revival experience in God. He said that I may know him powerfully. I want to know power over sin, power over my self-righteousness and religion, power over my circumstances, power over Satan that's come to kill, steal, and destroy. The Bible says that that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will make you to be alive. My heart's desire, my ambition my focus, my laser focus. God, I want to know you personally. I want to know your heart. I want to know your thoughts. I want to know your power. Know the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, I want to know him passionately. It says to share in his sufferings. It takes a level of, of commitment, of love, of of passion to say, I want to, I even want to share in the pain. When he says this, he's not talking about the pain of Jesus dying on the cross. He's really talking about this. He understood this idea of, the, of dying to the flesh, that Jesus would say these words, not my will, but thy will. There is a battle between the flesh and the spirit. The Apostle Paul talked often about crucifying the flesh, dealing with the flesh, dying to flesh. And he's saying, I want to live passionately. And that passion has to do with this idea of sharing in sufferings, of killing the flesh and living unto Jesus. Jesus humbled himself. The Apostle Paul understood this, that Jesus humbled himself. Apostle Paul was an arrogant, prideful man before the Damascus Road experience. After that, he became a humble servant of God. I think of this, the last time that some folks ever humble themselves is when they get saved. Because no one gets saved without humbling themselves. 
without saying, God, I need you. But I'm amazed at how many people profess to know Jesus, but yet live arrogantly, in charge, don't give, live for self, and make excuse for their sin. That was not the Apostle Paul. He wasn't making excuse. He was saying, God, I want to know you. I want to share in your share in your sufferings. I want to I want to die to flesh, and then it's this. I want to know what breaks your heart. I want to know what causes your heart to be burdened. When's the last time we cried over a city, cried over our community, a community that desperately needs God? We think, oh, you know, we're in the deep south, and there's a church on every corner, and and, and, and we pray at every event. I feel like I'm the professional prayer here in Orange Beach. And I love every opportunity. I prayed at the Chamber of Commerce meeting on Friday. And I serve as the police chaplain and the fire chaplain and pray at city council meetings. And, and I love every aspect of it. But sometimes we can get blinded just because we pray at an event that somehow we think that this is a godly community. We live in a very affluent community. And affluence leads to excess. And the drunkenness and drugs and sex and sex out of marriage that's celebrated. Listen, it's still power, the, the old power, sex, and money that's driving people. God, help me not to be a reflection of my community. Help me to be a reflection of God and help me to be broken. Help me to be broken over the things you are broken. Amen? What breaks God's heart? God, let it break my heart. Oh, that I might know him, that I might focus. Let there be laser cutting of my flesh away so that I can see clearly, so that I can have 20-20 vision personally, powerfully, passionately. How about this? Preeminently. Preeminently, when it says this, becoming like him in his death. Preeminence. Above all, I'm presenting my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is my responsibility, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of my mind to die to self. I'm crucified with Christ, yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me to focus on Jesus, not to have some lame excuse, well, I just can't help, I sin, I just can't help, I do this, I just can't help it, I'm, you know, I'm not always a good person, I just can't help it, I'm just not a very good Christian. No, no, quit making excuses. We make way too much, way too much provision for our sin. We make too many excuses. Focus on Jesus. The Bible doesn't say that we have to sin all the time. It says if you sin, you have an advocate with the Father. If you sin, not when. It's not like, well, I'm just going to sin today. I can't help it. Yes, you can. Die to self. I'm not asking us for, to be perfect. I'm asking us to set our standard a little bit higher. Amen? To say, God, I want to live unto righteousness rather than making provision for my flesh. Oh, that I might focus on him. Deal with this flesh. Romans 8, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Romans 12, about 
presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. Galatians 5, we belong to Christ Jesus. We have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Luke chapter 9, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. Here's the second thing, and I've got to hustle, wind this thing down, and we'll pick this up. I didn't plan on this being uh, uh, too weak, but it, there's too much here, and I believe it's too important for us just to, to rush through. So let me just share this thought. Focus, let's focus on Jesus. Focus on your heart. Focus on your heart. Philippians 3.12, not that I have already attained this or am already perfect. A growing Christ follower is never satisfied with their spiritual condition or their spiritual state. Religion says I'm okay. Our humanistic mindset says I'm satisfied, I'm okay. I'm not okay. My heart will tell me I'm okay. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Everybody thinks I'm okay. I got news for you, I'm not okay. I need God and I need him like I've never needed him before. I would that I knew more about the Bible. I would that I prayed more. I've got so far to go. I've got so much to learn. Listen to me. If you find yourself in that situation this morning, you are in good company because the Apostle Paul said, there's got to be more. Oh, I wanna know him, yes. I wanna know him, and it's not like I've attained. If anybody could have attained, it's him. I won't go into it this morning, but he was brilliant in the law, brilliant in theology, brilliant in debate. But he said, oh no, I'm not, I've not attained and I'm not perfect. It's like the 14 year old boy that quit school and someone asked said, why'd you quit school? He said, well, they can't teach me anything. There's a lot of people in the church, I can't teach you anything because you already know everything. And I want to tell you, it's not until we realize that we don't know everything and that we are desperate for God that our lives will ever be fruitful, that our lives will ever experience the level of, of, of intimacy with God that he has for us. He said, after he met Jesus, I'm no longer satisfied. He saw his faults and he saw his failures. When you see Jesus, I think you'll be like Isaiah. I'll be like Isaiah. A lot of people say, man, when I see Jesus, we're gonna shout, we're gonna, oh, glory, hallelujah, we're gonna go. Let me tell you something, if Jesus showed up in this room today, you know what would happen? We would fall on our face before God. Woe is me, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I need God to take a coal off the altar and to touch my mouth 
and to touch my heart. Do you know what sin is? Sin is the difference between you and the glory of God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if I'm not bringing glory to God with my heart, my attitude, my words, my obedience, I don't care what I accomplish, what I do, I don't care what you do, if it's not bringing glory to God, then there's something that is absolutely missing. We need to focus our heart. You know, it's so easy for us to think, boy, my wife, my son, my daughter, my friend. No, I'm not talking about you focusing on someone else's heart. I'm talking about you focusing on yours. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need. I need you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Island Church Podcast. For more information, visit islandchurch.tv.